2: This is my fight song, take back my life song, that I'm all right song, cause I still got a lot of fight left in me. The University of Memphis wins 35 to 32 to keep hope alive. Now, Jeffrey, you were looking at a stat, though.
1: Oh, well, during the break. Yep, Bill Conley's uh, post-game win expectancy. So, how the game was played on a down-to-down basis.
2: Yeah. It, Given what happened. Correct. Given what happened.
1: Won. Based on how each team played down to down, what would you expect the result to be? And Boise had a post-game win expectancy of 75 percent.
2: But it's, it's the, the game. It, it goes lucky, to the what matters the game's is changing the- play. Right, the game-changing play. Submitted by a Jeffer. It's the Blackfield. It Bowl. is funny. If you're someone who's out on Ryan Silverfield, this was a bad that day for you. Like, <laughs> like I, I, that, that, that is, because it's the kind of win that's going to get you to, to seven wins and... Maybe eight. When you look eight. at the rest. When you, no, look, when you at look at the rest of the schedule, the AAC has got to choose stake I look on it at right it now. This way. Everything's in front of them now. Now they got you got Tulane at home. You got one big game, and then you can A really big game and then you and can, stack some wins. Exactly, you can stack some wins. I mean, South Florida's pluckier than maybe would have been predicted. They are, but right? you're better than they are. But you, you will be. You will not be favored against Tulane. But if you beat Tulane, you will be favored in every game down the stretch, and maybe SMU. Although I don't know, SMU, I still I don't know, know what SMU is. So this is your—it's an opportunity to put together and again four and one. What the hell did you want? This is exactly. This is what we want. This is what you should have signed up for. We saw the schedule. We're like, okay, they could be four and one heading into that Tulane game. Yes. Guess what? They're four and one heading into that Tulane game. Plus, by the way. You had D'Angelo DeAngelo Williams brought to tears at halftime. Plus, two separate proposals, wedding proposals, in the stadium over the uh, Saturday. Both apparently completed. Which
1: also, not to take this all the way back to golf, but you knew Friday was a bad day for Team USA when apparently there was uh, there were reports of a. American fan proposing to his girlfriend and it was not clear that she said
2: yes. Ugh. You
1: got two yeses. They must have
2: gone to Robert O'Reilly Jewelers. They must have gone. The only thing I can assume. Also, we got to talk about
1: where did they dust up the the D'Angelo NASCAR? It looks spiffy. I want to know what that thing smelled like in the inside whenever they found <laughs> it.
2: That thing had to have been mothballed. Uh looked magnificent to me. Anyway, that was all. No, they they, they polished it up nicely. Good weekend at, for the University of Memphis. I think this may be the first time we've played the fight song because we haven't – have we played it before? Well, let's be honest. The other wins weren't all that – they were kind of – maybe? Did we play it for Navy? No. They just weren't – let's be honest. This is the first one. That, I
1: think we blew up Arkansas State. I think we blew up Arkansas State
2: after. So, uh, congratulations to uh, the University of Memphis. It's also a reminder – we can, we can nitpick football all
1: we want. Sometimes football can be as simple as, what did you do when you had chances to score? Memphis had four scoring drives, and they get touchdowns every time. Boise has five scoring drives, or six really six scoring drives. They got a field goal. They got four touchdowns, a field goal, and then they have the field goal blocked or the touchdown. Lot.
2: Big day for the Jeffries. All right, who's next? Well, that was something. Ole Miss wins 55 to 49, defeating LSU. Biggest win of Lane Kiffin's tenure, you'd have to say. Thirteen hundred and forty-three yards of offense, fourteen touchdowns. Ole Miss goes up. LSU goes up. Ole Miss surges back to take the lead. Jackson Dart, absolutely terrific. 26 of 39, 289 yards, four touchdowns ran, another seven times for 50 It was the best game of his yeah, career by easily far. the best game of his career. It helped to have Trey Harris back obviously and that's something you pointed out early and
1: Caden Priestcorn like I know Caden's numbers didn't pop off the page but Caden all three of catches
2: for Caden were on Huge. like massive third Huge. downs where it's like oh god we need this. So and and I, when when Trey Harris went out earlier in the year you pointed out that's a big loss for them cuz what he, it meant for them Um, Quinchon Judkins was terrific. He looked like Quinchon Judkins. He looks like people expected. 33 yards. 33 carries, 177 yards. Um, It's not like LSU. It's not like Jaden Daniels uh, wasn't sensational himself. No, he had. He had like five. Total yards. He had five throws where I was just like, I don't even know what you
1: do with that. Like there was some of his touchdown throws were just so perfect that there was nothing you could do. And where I give Ole Miss credit is, you know, the the joke of we are Ole Miss, just the finding finding ways to lose. You score, you know, Kiffin's sitting there, up, you know, going nuts because Trey Harris scored right. and that left. LSU with time. time. And then right off the bat, LSU hits like a 42 yard pass play. And you're and then immediately they got two thinking Two
2: shots, two shots to win, and you're just ready for heartbreak. Well, then
1: you had another situation where, you know, Jaden Daniels escapes and you have the horse collar. Right. All right, well, now they got the ball to 15, and everybody's thinking, oh, we know what's going to happen. They drop an interception that would have ended the game. And I just give them credit. They, they made a couple more plays than LSU did.
2: That game was nuts um two things how do you feel about the field storming I've I've turned the corner on it
1: I've started to think about it this way presumably kids get four years of college football as fans uh-huh. they want to go and storm the field no but then
2: then there's then, then I do think you can I, I don't object to field storming although I know it's dangerous whatever else whatever. sure but, but then I think you have to you have to ask then. Did this justify a field storming? And I think it did. Absolutely, this of course the, it did. This game was incredible. Incredible game. Even if, like, you can argue that a, if you'd beaten them, thirty-three to thirteen, yeah, it wouldn't have exactly. A field it's storm. it's
1: it's the fashion that it was it's in. It's The
2: manner of the exact yes. the, the exuberance that created that. Um. Well, this t- LSU had national title aspirations. What we can, what, what we the, can. Let me let me ask you this: though. What the hell? How in the world can LSU, which has one of the best defensive players in America on its team, by the way. Maybe two. Maybe two. How can it have a defense that horrific? So what the real question is, is
1: how does DBU have so many just not good defensive backs? Because really that's what it, it boiled down to. They are banged up in the secondary, and so they're playing guys that were not expected to be contributors coming into the year. But, I mean, that's really the problem is, like, they, they cannot cover anyone. Like, that's, that's what's truly shocking to me is watching LSU's secondary be that helpless.
2: Ole Miss has Arkansas Next. Uh, but it's got to be feeling pretty good about themselves right now after that huge win. Again, you got to be huge win per- for Memphis. Huge win for Ole Miss. You got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. But like now, the question is,
1: you know, letdown spot. Like you know, Arkansas has lost three straight games. Arkansas is getting banged up. But Arkansas is a team that has given them hell
2: the last fifteen years. You know, what are you going to do in this game? Arkansas is not in our uh, – we're neither celebrating nor blowing up Arkansas. Arkansas loses to AM thirty-four to 34-22. A.M. defense. They couldn't run the football. They, they seven sacks, 15 yeah. tackles for loss. The AM defensive um, line is starting to produce what their talent level is. K.J. Jefferson, 129 total yards, seven sacks. It, it, uh, it was a mess for Arkansas. And – a m has Alabama next week. Yep, at home, massive game. And the line's only like two and a half right now for Alabama. All right, uh, who's next? You know, I don't know that uh, beating South Carolina is justifies necessary, but I was reprimanded by one of our listeners because we didn't play Tennessee. Last week, And I'm like, it's, last week's one didn't justify, you know, whatever. But this week, you're beating South Carolina handily, 41-20. Revenge for last week. Uh, spent, gave Spencer Rattler hell with six sacks, 123 yards for Jalen Wright. You run the football, you play defense, get a great performance from Squirrel White. And that seems to be the recipe. And honestly, I don't know that it's going to be good enough this year. But with Georgia looking pedestrian, who the hell
1: knows? Yeah, I'm actually totally fine playing Tennessee this week because this was the type of performance that I've been waiting to see from Tennessee. Do I think South Carolina is going to wind up being, you know, uh, the type of resume win that's going to lift you up? Uh, no. No. But I wanted to see Tennessee control a game flash, look like they're capable of looking like on offense, and they did so pretty much for the entire game. Like, I, I was very impressed with them. Yes, South Carolina's offensive line has put Spencer Rattler's life in danger all season. But he has surmounted Correct. it. Correct. He's been spectacular and all he, season, and he and had he was nothing. Not. He, there were no answers, and I thought, I thought this was very impressive by Tennessee. So
2: how do you now assess the uh, SEC East? Obviously, we'll get to Kentucky here in a moment, but Kentucky... Thrashing Florida, uh, Georgia surviving uh, thanks yeah, to Brock Georgia's, Bowers being sensational. Georgia's problem was they turned the football over. Like if you look at
1: if you look at what Auburn was able to do to score, they turned two turnovers into touchdowns. After that, they just got basically two field goals, one of which came off like a 65-yard quarterback run. But every time Auburn had to actually throw the football. I never actually felt like Georgia was going to lose that game, even though maybe you can make the argument you should have. But, I mean... So how do you assess the East? At this point, if Tennessee is able to hit shot plays against Georgia, they're going to have a chance. The problem is, if Hooker couldn't do it last year, I don't know how I'm supposed to expect that they're going to this year. But the game is at home, and perhaps, like, I am open to the idea of it. And with Kentucky... Kentucky has matched up extremely well under Mark Stoops with Florida. They have not had the success against Georgia and Tennessee, so I'm very curious about this week. Like I don't think you're going to be able to run power like the power run play like Kentucky did on Georgia, but if they do, I'm sitting there I'm open to the idea that that Kentucky team is really good because it
2: turns out they might have gotten the most impactful transfer, Ray Davis from Sandy yes. uh Holy crap. He had 150 total yards in the first quarter alone. Uh, we'll get to that one. Um, next. Yeah, I, I, this broke my heart. Uh, no offense to Notre Dame and, and all you Notre Dameers out there, but my son was at this game. And uh, and I would have liked him for to get, as you point out, you got so many years of college football, yep. you would have liked a big home win. And he didn't have the Clemson win. He wasn't there for that one. It's on him. So, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Harsh but fair. Uh-huh. Uh, he's joining the bandwagon a little late. Uh, Duke leads 14-13, 51 seconds left. Sam Hartman runs for a first down on fourth and 16, and then you and then uh, they score. Riley Leonard comes back, gets hurt, and uh, I mean that's that's, the that's problem. That's- is because what you
1: what Duke clearly proved in this game is they are good. But they're good if they have Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard is that big of a difference maker for them. Like, I know his numbers didn't jump off the page, but when when you're watching Duke play, you're like, this guy's incredible. Like, I don't care these 12 of 27 for 134. Like, you can just tell, like, that guy is extremely good at football.
2: Sam Hartman waiting for him outside the medical tent. Classy moment by the Notre Dame QB. I don't know about Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman certainly needed this win. Oh, especially after the way that they lost the week before. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, huge. All right, what's next? So USC wins 48-41 over Colorado. Game started out to be, you know what? In fact, I think we could be playing the wrong song here, Jeffrey. Uh, I, I, what, think we're, what? I think we could be playing the wrong song here. Uh, so you wanna I want to switch. This? I want to play. Yeah. This is more of a... This was. Remember we were talking about moral victories last week, yeah. Jeffrey? Statement losses? Statement losses? Yes. You come back. You're about to get... It feels, it feels like you're going to get blown out by USC after being blown out by Oregon. And instead... Shador Sanders is sensational. 30 to 45, 371 yards, four touchdowns, ran for another. Omari and Miller. He's, oh, he's without his without his weapons. 7 to 197 for 196. That throw that he threw on fourth and five into the uh, for, to Miller for the touchdown. it was crazy, insane. Like, that was a statement lost by Colorado. There's no question. And,
1: like, I never felt like USC was going to lose the game.
2: No, I didn't either.
1: But at the same time, like, I don't know. The the problem that I had with this game was I, I believe in Colorado's offense. Like, I know whatever happened at Oregon, but I also think Oregon's defense is the best in that league by a long shot. The problem that I just keep seeing when I watch this game, it's like, Every Lincoln Riley team's
2: the same. I don't care if it's in Norman, Oklahoma, well, what's, and that's the thing is, is. So Caleb Williams is great again. 406 yards, six touchdown passes, etc. There, there is a the Heisman comes. To, there's, a, there is definitely a thing called Heisman boredom. Oh, there's no question. And so people like, there's just reason to vote why for winning it twice in a row is the, a big part of it. Is, is Heisman keep, boredom? Exactly. Like,
1: yeah, we We've seen that. Well, we know and also good. when you win the Heisman, then you start getting compared to the best year of your career, and if you take even a like a
2: half step back, it gets held against you. Does this game, so then you have a situation where in college football right now, it may be as wide open and like who's great as any year that I can recall. And does this game, in fact, reflect particularly well on Oregon? Does it, does it suggest to you that Oregon could be the best team in the country? Or is it Michigan? Or is it Ohio State? Or is it Penn State? Or is it Florida State? Or is it Texas? Or is it Georgia? Or is it Washington? Or is it USC? Or is it Alabama, for God's sakes? Who is the best team in the country? So I still am going to – my
1: default is it's Georgia until proven otherwise. it
2: doesn't feel overwhelming. But
1: it does – I think the biggest difference between this year and other years is the top of the sport has come back to the pack. And so – but, like, what we're going to see is Oregon looks great against Colorado, but where Oregon is going to be susceptible is to a team like Washington that can vomit deep. Those types of teams are going to give them problems, but we also see with a team like Washington – all right. Well, if you play if you play a team in Arizona that like plays super pesky hard and
2: can keep well, your we saw a bunch of teams who sort of slept in just like Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, Penn State, Washington, none of them impressive, particularly this weekend in winning. Yes, holding doing, doing what they had to do, but none particularly impressive in winning. It's weird to me. A lot of people say transfer portal. Oh well, the transfer portal. I don't really understand that because what the transfer portal. It also gives the best teams in the country, you can scout who's good from the crappier teams and then just scoop them off because you have better resources than anybody else. So in addition to getting the best recruits, you can now go get the best transfers. I don't really understand why the transfer portal leads to more parity. So I think the biggest reason that it leads to more parity
1: is that while the best teams can still, you know, supplement their roster yeah, like you're, you're Alabama, talking about. You can go get Jameer Gibbs, you know? What it has allowed is middle tier teams to go like it's killing the G five. If you look at P five versus G five this year, it, it's been a bloodbath because of that's like where you're getting. And so while maybe like Caden pre basically. Correct. Like maybe like you don't have kind of a thing. maybe you don't have a first round dude, but maybe you got a third rounder or a fourth rounder. And the gap in talent there is much more reasonable than the tap the gap between first rounder and guy that's never gonna sniff playing on Sundays. And the other thing is, I think this is a big part of it. While the SEC has always been like, oh, it just means more, it just means more. I think what you're starting to see is in the NIL above board era,
2: it's a lot harder for them to dominate. Right. Because, because they're not they're not USC they and were more Texas, willing to cheat are more willing to cheat. But now that it's all above board, the south is not actually richer than the north. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's not well, more it's certainly not richer there's, than there's Austin, Texas more. and Los Angeles. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not more than or, or you know, Ohio state is pretty rich, I,
1: know? I'm I'm circling Texas. I, I do think I'm I'm scared of the spot that I'm in, but like I've watched them play now three straight weeks and I just think
2: they're really good. Texas I think they're winning. Did really I even good. mention Texas? Yes, I did. I did mention Texas. They throttled. Uh, who are we gonna blow up? We gotta blow some up because we gotta get to the Grizzlies and Chris Harrington. <laughs> Woo! Kentucky once lost 32 straight games to Florida. Now Florida, after losing to Kentucky 33 to 14 Saturday, has lost three straight. To Kentucky and four of six. Ray Davis from Vandy, 26 carries, 280 yards. That's uh, that's the most of FBS uh, this year. Uh, three touchdowns, absolutely sensational. And runs of Kentucky, 19,
1: 22, 75, 33, <laughs> uh,
2: 31. Absolutely dominates Florida. Are we back on the hot seat?
1: I mean, the problem is he scored a touchdown. Ray Davis scored a touchdown
2: with 13 Florida guys on the field. Like, the problem is... No, that was impressive. That was a a better strategy than the one that Notre Dame Uh, Yeah, instead of 10. Instead of 10, you go 13. But the whole deal is that... Florida's supposed to have this beefed-up
1: coaching staff. They have all these guys on the sidelines and whatnot to, to help rise them
0: up, and they still look
1: just so poorly coached.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.